Welcome, Dr. James back at Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugging the Scott Auctions, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Compsy.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. I was on Sports Card Nation, John Newman, excellent interviewer, always have fun. It turns out I had not been on his show for a long time, and yet he's been on uh, my show several times as I've asked him about his iconic favorite Jackie Robinson. So we've had some uh, far-ranging discussions, but this was him asking me questions and his I do sometimes. I, I want to extract some things that I think are new or different that I haven't covered in, in 400, 500 uh, episodes here. I'm trying to build an audio record. And John, very helpful. Even when people ask me the same question, it can be in a different way. So again, excellent interviewer. I heartily recommend Sports Card Nation, Hobby Quick Hits. Again, enjoy his show. But I hope you enjoy mine too. I hope this is a taste so that you can say, hey, I want some more. John Newman. <laughs> so here it is. Is this the correction you and other content creators uh, talk about on their shows. And, and then there's others that say, Dr. Jim, that the correction has, isn't started. It's been ongoing, that we're in, in the middle of it. So I guess, do you fall on either either of those points or maybe even something completely different? Given three choices for the future, obviously everybody would love to have a straight bull market across the board, but that doesn't happen in anything. So that's not going to happen. We actually had that for some period of 2020. The opposite of that is everything's going down that's happened in the stock market at times when there have been things coming up, and nobody wants that, and I don't believe that'll happen either. What we have now is a mixed market where some things are going up, some things are going down, some things are staying the same. We may be on the same page about this. If this flushes out some day traders, I don't have a problem with that. I think the collectors, the dealers, the people that are in this industry to stay, there ought to be some advantage of sinking roots and not being too upset with daily or weekly ups and downs. Everything doesn't need to go up every month. So mixed market is, I think, what we're having and what we're going to have, which means people are considering alternatives. When something gets really high priced, they think, gee, instead of buying that, I'm going to buy this. They leave the industry. You got a problem. I got a problem. And, uh, and no, it's not good riddance because we'd love to have everybody in the hobby, but not everybody gets it. Yeah. And that flux always changes. We have new people coming in, some leave, some unfortunately, we've talked about with, with morbidity, some people pass away and leave in that terms. But I think the real risk is if we have a mass exodus. Uh, I think that's where what we don't really want to see. People talk about a crash. I don't believe we're going to see a crash. So I don't even make that argument, but for even to entertain a crash or the bottom falling out, I think that only would happen with a mass exodus of people who are transacting in the hobby and, and keeping that money flowing. I don't foresee that uh, occurring. And like you said, I think we're seeing the mixed market, which like you said, I think that's also healthy too. If everything keeps going up, that's when you tend to sometimes lose people. I can tell you from scouring social media, you see a lot of people, I can't afford this hobby anymore. I really have to think about what I'm doing. My answer to those folks are is there's other ways on the hobby. I used to open a lot more wax than I do currently. So I've pivoted to more buying singles or collections. And that, so there's always an alternative to, to what you're doing and still be uh, in the hobby. I think I'm taking my ball and going home. It's going to kind of the, the easy way out. And, and maybe even if I be so bold to say it, it's the lazy way of thinking. And like you, I'm an advocate. I want people to enjoy the hobby, come on a board, whether you came on yesterday or 40 years ago, makes no difference uh, to me. We don't get a pension plan. At least I don't. And I think we're seeing some of that. And I hope people don't leave. I never want to see, whenever I see someone say I'm getting out, there's a part of me that 
feel bad or sad when I see those posts. John, you've made comments. You're a man of opinions. And basically, there are people that are new to the industry. We want to be welcoming to them. But we could talk about corrections or crashes or major adjustments. If someone can show me that somebody that got their stuff two or three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, show me some of those people that lost money. Most of the people that are losing money are people that have held things for less than a year. Yeah, They bought higher, sold lower. So show me somebody who's been around for a while. Again, there's an advantage to being in this hobby for a long time. But there have been a bunch of people that have made a lot of money with flipping stuff in the last 12 months. But it's yeah. not a sure thing. Yeah, and there's people that don't look so kindly upon those folks. I'm paying this is America. You, if you bought it outright, you did it the right way, and nothing is illegal there, then you can sell it. As long as you're doing it legally, you're not cheating anyone or doing anything underhanded, then enjoy the hub. If I were doing price guides now, which I'm not, I would be looking at the mix of fixed price versus auction. Because how much stuff is coming out, and then how is it being placed into the market? Auction suggests uh, confidence that there'll be multiple bidders that'll bid something up. Fixed price can mean, "Mm, I'm not sure what this is going to go for in an auction. I better put my high price in there and see if somebody, if one person will pay it. So I'd be looking at the mix of auction and fixed price, if that's changing. And something that really didn't exist when you were in the price guide genre is is now we see the rise of fractional share companies, too, that sort of uh, play into the equation what these are going for. Because if 100 people buy in at whatever price, that's technically what the card is sold for. And then those companies uh, turn around and get offers that usually are more than the, the IPO price. And so then that becomes the standard. There's so many different platforms now that uh, even when you were with Beckett, we had your hands full with, with gathering all this information. I think it's even more difficult now, the price guide landscape, just because there's so many data fields and point of sales from auctions and from eBay to auction houses, to fractional shares, to private sales, even what we see P- PWCC, but some of their recent sales have, have broke those records. So you got all these sales happening in so many different uh, spots. I would think as a price guy, you'd almost have to have folks just focus. Your area is this, gather all this intel, and let's all come back and put this together. Well, as usual, John, you stimulate my juices for responding to that. I'm largely in agreement, but I really think that if there are too many private sales in this industry, I, I really don't think that's good. The emphasis private sale used to mean back in the day meant you and I made a deal and it was private. Now, a private sale is super ultra publicized. Our private (laughs) sale, and I'm going to show you my check, and I'm going to tout it. So it's a different kind of private sale, and too much of that I don't think is good. I like it being on the open market. Everybody can see what's there. And secondly, not necessarily a danger sign, but another indicator that would be a leading indicator to me is if the fractionals are winning too much of the good stuff. That's not as healthy as if, if there's a perception that they're always paying a lot more, it's going to come back and bite them. The people say, wait a minute, they're overpaying and then I've got to buy shares at an overpriced. So it's not healthy yeah, if they're potential. winning too much. Yep. And I nope, don't think I, they are right now, but yeah. yeah. That pendulum could swing, it could swing. Uh, the other way. They it could swing. They could buy something and, and lose. And They're that, underwater. That, there's a few that are underwater. Some of the things they bought are underwater in terms of yeah. uh, less valuable than what they paid. But most of them are up. I, I grant you that. Yeah, yeah. I dabble in it. and, not, and I'm, I, I, do, I, I almost do it more for the content uh, portion just to talk about 
what I've done and, and how it's doing, that sort of thing. But I know there's other people that are doing way more and, and going in quite heavily. That's the risk you take. It could be boom or bust, uh, depending on how that plays out. And I think you're right. More of these companies popping up, it's competitive. I want to buy that car. It becomes sort of a bidding war. And maybe, like you said, that's where the overpaying comes in. When all the dust settles, man, we got the car, but that's when that danger can be in, in play. We'll see. I know fractionals are not necessarily new. And so it'll be interesting to see long-term, do they all last, like you said, and who's generally looked at as the leader in that niche. It's too early to do that yet, but we'll see how that uh, uh, plays out. Well, uh, so, I think it's yeah. NFTs. NFTs and fractionals, they're still in the honeymoon period. A lot of glow that uh, this thing's really working and all that stuff. But as the years go by, we'll see whether it, it works. But it, there's a lot of enthusiasm early on. It's a honeymoon. Yeah. I, I don't want to put the black spot on NFTs, <laughs> but I think that what physical card collecting has going for it, as we talked about in the ups and downs of the market, is there's a lot of history. And you talk about a correction or a crash or something. If cards, if physical cards dropped in half overnight, there would be... A lot of people would panic, but there are a bunch of people who would say, oh, my goodness, now I can buy some more stuff at a more affordable price. I'm not sure that would happen with NFTs. If NFTs across the board dropped in half, I don't know that there'd be a run to get the – if there would be, is it to get the scarce ones or the the more, the more noteworthy ones? I don't – so the lack of history is the exciting aspect, but it's also the daunting aspect. That it, there, there's no track record to say that they're going to be worth, continue to be worth more. If the category, and here's the another problem, is that if the category of NFTs keeps going uh, strong, then there's going to be potentially an oversupply. People can just do some more. So yeah. the money going into that category could get really sucked up on the new releases where they work toward the vintage market. They work toward these other sports. There are a lot of confidence in NFTs, but like I said, the lack of history and the potential for a future explosion in supply that may overwhelm the demand. I just don't know. I'm not going to pontificate any more than I already just did. Some of the NFT popularity has come from people not being able to get wax in the same vein, and they're opening virtual packs in a sense with these NFTs. I don't know if that's a huge factor, but it's a factor. Just like not being able to get your cards back from the major grading companies in a timely manner, that's another thing. You don't have to grade NFTs. You get what you yeah. get.